catastrophic situation is playing out in Australia. The smoke visible from space. A New Year's Eve crisis going into 2020. People are telling us this is the worst they've ever seen. The fires have burned more intensely, more ferociously. They seem to have a mind of their own. Satellite imagery is showing that Arctic sea ice is at its lowest levels on record. In northern Siberia, it hit 100.4 degrees. We are looking right now at the all-time record heat for the month of June. A catastrophic Category 4 hurricane bearing down in the U.S. We could be looking at a majority of the surrounding communities flooded with a of 9 to 20 feet of water. The two largest wildfires in Colorado history are burning dangerously close, just miles apart. On the heels of what has been a historic and deadly wildfire season, the winds, standing these flames are expected to last another 24 hours. We all know, or should know, that climate change, simply put, is bad and is only getting worse. But how bad really is it? Welcome to the Curiosity Kills podcast. I'm Esme. And I'm Corinne. I'm sure many of you have heard the saying, curiosity killed the cat. However, most don't know the second half, that satisfaction brought it back. But unlike the cat, we are never satisfied with the knowledge we have, and we strive to learn more. We hope you stick around for an exciting and fascinating journey, where we explore the human body, the world, and more. Let's start by breaking down what climate change is. Climate change, or global warming, is the gradual warming of the Earth that brings large-scale shifts in weather, which overall results from human-induced greenhouse gas emissions. Let's dive deeper into climate change and its resulting weather patterns. In the past month, there have been record high temperatures in the Pacific Northwest. For reference, in the past century, Seattle, Washington has hit 100 degrees Fahrenheit three times. Yet in the last weekend of June 2021, it surpassed 100 degrees and shattered records three different times. Further north, in parts of Canada, things were even hotter, with a high of 121 degrees Fahrenheit in the town of Lytton in British Columbia. The day after this, the town was destroyed by wildfires that were brought upon by the extreme heat. More recently, the western United States fire season has roared to a start in many parts of California and Oregon. The ongoing bootleg fire in Oregon is so severe that according to Oregon's forestry department, the fire is now generating its own weather. Normally the weather, such as any wind or rain, will dictate how the fire will act, but the bootleg fire is so large and intense that it is dictating the weather patterns, creating its own clouds. These clouds, called pyrocumulus clouds or fire clouds, are formed from large amounts of smoke and create strong winds and even lightning. These winds can cause the fire to spread even more. Additionally, fires with these clouds can form fire tornadoes, which were seen in the Tennant Fire in California in June of this year. On the opposite side of the weather spectrum, devastating floods have been ripping across the world from Germany to China. At least 25 people in the central Chinese province of Henan died, including a dozen trapped in a city subway as waters tore through the regional capital of Zhengzhou after days of torrential rain. In China, many factors contribute to flooding, but a warming atmosphere caused by climate change makes extreme rainfall more likely. Over in Europe, After floods in China, at least 160 people in Germany and another 31 in Belgium were killed due to more flooding. 
The catastrophic flooding in West Germany was caused by a severe storm and continuous rains that caused rivers and streams to swell up and flood the towns, and the cities are located alongside the banks of the River Ahr in Germany. When the soil and the body's water are no longer able to absorb the excess water from the floods, it spills out, destroying nearby areas and causing damage to infrastructure, the environment, and people's belongings. In general, as warmer temperatures cause more water to evaporate from the land and oceans, precipitation changes in size and frequency. These events can affect or even cause devastating flooding. So how are heat waves, fires, and floods even related to climate change? Won't the temperatures drop, the fires be put out, and the waters die down? How are these current events even related to global warming? Well, they are and they aren't. You're right. The weather in that area will eventually return to some normal. The fires will hopefully be put out and the water will dissipate, but that doesn't neglect their relationship with global warming. Global warming, or climate change, is the study of the climate which isn't exactly the same as the weather. According to NASA, the weather is the temperature and state of the atmosphere at any given time or place, whereas climate is the usual weather of the place. This could mean that the climate is sunny, rainy, cloudy, stormy, hot or cold, depending on the season or year, whereas on any day the weather could be sunny, rainy, cloudy, stormy, or well. Well, you get the idea. Similarly, climate changes the difference in the usual weather of a place. This could be a city, state, country, or even the whole world. However, it is important to note that climate takes a hundred or even hundreds of years to change, whereas the weather can change in hours or even minutes. Now, weather events such as heat waves and fires are not only being caused by global warming, but are also contributing to it. It's a vicious and ever-worsening cycle. Every day in the news, we can see how climate change is affecting our world. From all of the pollution we are putting in our oceans and atmosphere, to the greenhouse gases from our energies and foods, to the frequent floods, fires, and hurricanes. Taking a step back, just acknowledging the fact that we are currently in the sixth mass extinction event, which has been brought on by human activity, depicts the devastating climate crisis we are currently in. Wow, that's a lot to unpack, and unfortunately, that's not even the beginning. Obviously, climate change is not caused by just one human or one family. So what is it really caused by? Well, greenhouse gas emissions are the primary driver behind climate change. These consist of carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and water vapor. Greenhouse gases essentially create a blanket around the Earth that traps the heat in and prevents it from leaving. According to our world in data, the vast majority of global greenhouse production at 72.3% is from energy. This is the energy that is used in fuel combustion, buildings, both commercial and residential, transportation, including cars, planes, and boats, as well as in industry, which means the manufacturing of metals, chemicals, and foods. Next up in the factors contributing to greenhouse gas emissions are those of agriculture, forestry, and land use, which comes in at 18.4%. This means the emissions produced by deforestation, crop burning, and livestock. Waste such as that in landfills makes up the remaining 8.4%. Now that we have established that energy sourcing is the leading cause of greenhouse gas emissions and thus of climate change, what are we doing to fix it? Well, renewable and greener energies such as wind, solar, nuclear, biomass, geothermal, and hydroelectric do exist, yet energy emissions still take up over 70% of all greenhouse gases. 
So why is that? Simply put, we are not using renewable energies as much as we should. Some of the reasons behind this are we cannot easily store renewable energy as well as we can with fossil fuels. Take the sun and wind, for example. If the sun is hidden behind the clouds and if the wind isn't blowing, then we cannot harness their energy and there wouldn't be enough energy for everyone at that particular time. However, the bigger and more predominant reason that fossil fuels and non-renewable energies are used instead of cleaner energies is mainly because of profit. Because of this, the struggle to switch to renewable energy is mainly located in political, institutional, and cultural areas, especially in places such as America. The real issue behind the struggle to switch to renewable energies is just trying to get movement from governments and industries that are simply just tied to the past. According to the Stanford University, the U.S. is projected to run on 30% renewable energy by 2025. However, Stanford professors and researchers state that the U.S. has more than enough resources to run entirely on renewables, and Stanford has even projected a plan to do so by 2050. However, these Stanford personnel are assuming no political or social obstacles with their plan, which basically means that the likelihood of the U.S. fully switching to renewable energies by 2050 is extremely low. We have pushed our planet too far. It has become so bad that we not only need to halt our carbon emissions to save the Earth, but actually remove carbon from the atmosphere. According to the journal Natural Climate Change, in order to stay under 2 degrees Celsius of temperature increase, by 2050 we will have to avoid 800 gigatons of carbon emissions. This is a huge number, and with quick calculations, most scientists will tell you that avoiding it is near impossible. We will need to remove 100 to 200 gigatons of carbon by 2050 to reach this goal. So, not only do we need to switch to renewable energies to produce less greenhouse gases, we also need to take greenhouse gas, specifically carbon dioxide, out of the atmosphere. This needs to be a worldwide effort in order to protect and preserve our Earth for future generations. However, even though climate change affects every country in the world, some countries are much more environmentally conscious than others. Many, such as Costa Rica, Iceland, Albania, Ethiopia, Paraguay, uh, Zambia, Norway, all run on 100% or a few percent short renewable energy. So obviously, making the switch to solely renewable energies can and has been done. Let's take Iceland for example. Not only does Iceland run on 100% renewable energy from hydro and geothermal power, but it is also using its geothermal energy to capture CO2 from the atmosphere and turn it into rocks which are then put deep underground. This process is called carbon capture and storage. In Iceland, the dissolved CO2 gas is injected into basalts and reactive rock formations at a depth of about 500 meters, where the CO2 will turn rapidly into minerals. A single carbon capture and storage plant will be able to permanently remove 4,000 tons of carbon dioxide from the air per year. But this technology isn't just limited to Iceland. This method can be used near admission sources in other parts of the world too as long as the bedrock below the area contains sufficient amounts of calcium, magnesium, and iron. These elements are necessary because they react with the CO2 to form carbonate minerals needed to permanently store the carbon dioxide. Even though America and the other countries listed have this technology, why are we still admitting so much carbon dioxide? Well, the answer to this lies in national incentive and priorities. The U.S. does not prioritize addressing climate change, whereas other countries have for decades. A good example of this is in South Asia in the country of Bhutan. 
Bhutan, as of 2009, is the first country to become carbon negative due to a variety of factors such as their political priorities, mass amounts of forests, and reliance on hydroelectric power. Bhutan's priorities are ones that all countries should aspire to replicate. Their government has had a history of basing political decisions off of overall happiness of the country and has made economic sacrifices to maintain this. These economic sacrifices consist of limiting tourism, bans on deforestation, and prioritizing hydroelectric power, even giving this power for free to rural areas. By prioritizing happiness over economic gains, Bhutan has successfully become the only country to be carbon negative, and according to Business Weekly, has been ranked the happiest country in Asia and the eighth happiest in the world. Even with these sacrifices, in 2007, their GDP was the second fastest growing in the world, all while still maintaining their environmental priorities. Bhutan exemplifies what all countries should be doing, because within 10 years, we need to be removing carbon two to four times faster than the amount we are currently mining oil and gas. This has been proven to be difficult, because at the moment, burying or removing carbon has no economic benefits for companies. Since fossil fuels are initially cheaper than green energy, companies have little incentive to go greener. It's important to focus the attention on companies because 100 companies across the globe are responsible for over 71% of all greenhouse gas emissions. These companies often hold vast amounts of political and social power due to their wealth and thus must be held accountable. However, the blame is not solely on these companies because we as individuals hold power in what we choose to consume. Our purchases support and keep certain companies in power, and we must avoid and boycott their products and make an effort to reach towards greener things, especially if we have the financial means to do so. Though there are many things that countries need to do to stall climate change and our emissions, we need to start by showing interest in our planet and its future. Though big corporations are responsible for the vast amount of emissions and pollutions, we can vote with our dollars and choose not to support these practices. We can also vote for change politically, so politicians know that climate change is a priority. We need to step away from damaging routine habits that have become ingrained in our society, such as excessive consumerism and non-renewable energy sourcing. We have the technology and the research to know what we need to do to save the planet, and we need to start listening and giving political platforms to experts in this field because this is our final chance to save the planet. Humanity is now standing at a crossroads. We must now decide which path we want to take. Time is running out.